P-S-N-Y. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clean Sweep Podcast, which is Elite Sports New York's Brooklyn Nets podcast. I am here with my co-host, or co-host, I guess, in the wings, Nolan Jensen. How you doing today? Are you excited to make this a three-man podcast once Danny is available to podcast again? <laughs> I feel like we're like... Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, or like Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, and the starting rotation. We're missing our Kevin Durant, and our Kevin Durant is daddy. Yep. So like we'll hold the fort down and we'll do the best we can. But yeah, we are we are missing daddy. And besides that, I'm doing well. You know, Vancouver, British Columbia. We got some snow today. I had a snow day. I didn't have classes, so nice. which basically means I did a whole lot of nothing today. How you doing, Matt? Uh, I I joined you in that boat. I I'm doing a little film stuff, but nothing too crazy. Uh, I wanted to actually go around. I first off, I don't think I'm one of the three guards. I consider myself more of a Musa, um, irrationally oh, confident, yeah. not actually that good at anything. So I, I think that's kind of who I'm more comfortable with. But no, I'm good. I uh, you know I I want to go out and t- uh, actually play a little basketball, which, as many of you can imagine, um, I live up to every stereotype of being a sports reporter, as in I suck at basketball. So, but I, I wanted to get out there, and then of course it starts raining. So you know. It's been kind of a day of wanting to do a lot of things and didn't always get to them. Um, we actually have a lot to cover this week. It's not a dismal, you know, depressing episode of us talking about, I don't know, whatever, the newest uh, 10-day contract or two-way contract that the Nets are signing. Hey, Justin Anderson. <laughs> we'll get to your boy. It's my in guy. A bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I, we this podcast, it'll probably come out by the time, uh, I guess, that the Nets will either have played the Utah game or they're playing what Philly on Wednesday. Yeah, Philadelphia in the back-to-back second half. So it'll it'll be completely outdated by the time it comes out. But uh, right. we, I I kind of my take on the Kyrie return is is actually pretty dependent on that. But let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Kyrie. Uh, your thoughts on what it was like to see him again um, and how goddamn refreshing that was. I don't think you could have had a better, especially on offensive end, return to the game as Kyrie Irving did against the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday night. 10 out of 11 shooting. He looked absolutely fantastic. Um, the Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving backcourt pairing isn't perfect yet, and I'm sure like we'll go deeper into detail about that as the podcast goes on. Uh, you obviously have to take into consideration who they play, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, 8 and 32. It wasn't exactly, you know, premier opposition out there. But all in all, I mean... I was happy with it, and we got to see Vince Carter one last time at Barclays Center. So, it, it was it was a good night. It was a good night, Matt. I uh, you pretty much summarized like ten points that I wanted to get. Of course, of course, this is why this is why we get along. Uh, <laughs> same train of thought there. Yeah, I I it was fun to see him do his his Kyrie Irving things, the fadeaways off glass, which by the way are unbelievable in person. I haven't really i i didn't I don't think I've seen him live yet. So that was cool to do. Um. Hmm. But otherwise, I haven't gotten too high on the whole situation. I think their first real test will be, uh, I guess, Tuesday and Wednesday. Whenever you're listening to this, you'll probably already know the outcome of how that looked. But I think that's the first real test. That Atlanta team, their best player was arguably Cam Reddish. 
Uh, they didn't have Trey Young out there. Uh, their put what their point guard was what Brandon Goodwin. I think that's who was playing point guard for them. I believe so. Yeah. So, in a sense, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I didn't get too high on the results. I just got high on seeing him back. He's he's a delight to watch. I mean, it's it's nice to watch a team that isn't just purely drives and lob attempts. It, it is he is a fun little wrinkle to have back. Um, but. Let's get into the the you kind of touched on it a little bit the Kyrie Spencer Dinwiddie early returns. Right. Um. I thought that Spencer, in a lot of ways, it it I don't even feel like he's getting marginalized. I just I'm a little now worried about, and I know one game sample. This is a ridiculous take. It's it's gonna sound ridiculous. I can already feel how ridiculous this is. No, Matt, where are you going with this? Can I be a little concerned that it it looks a little bit awkward now with not just one but two teams now where Spencer Dinwiddie Karis LeVert plus point guard looks a little bit weird on the court and there's always one guy that's fitting out um last year at the end of the year it was Karis LeVert then in the playoffs it was actually Russell uh and Mm. now it seems to be Dinwiddie I'm I'm like I'm just I'm just keeping my eye on it and I don't love him at the shooting guard it's definitely something to monitor. I mean, he only got seven shots up uh, Sunday night against the Hawks. He went two of seven. So he definitely didn't get his offensively. Uh, what was welcoming, though, was the eight assists. If Spencer did Spencer didn't win he carried everyone when they were on the court together. Basically took turns taking the uh, ball up to um, half court and initiating the offense. I obviously really love the idea of Kyrie Irving playing off ball. <clears throat> Will he do that, you know, nine times out of ten? in a half-court setting? Probably not. So there is reason for concern when it comes to this um, pairing because you do have two high-usage guards that obviously need the ball in their hands. Um, it's not perfect yet. I think Spencer Dinwiddie has earned the right to get you know the starting gig after what he's done for the past you know seven weeks without Kyrie Irving and without Karis LeVert for a majority of that time frame as well. It's... It's it's a work in progress, and like you said, we're really going to see it tested against you know the Utah Jazz, the Sixers twice, and the Bucks and the Lakers, and then like the uh, five games. Yeah, as you said, I think that the, those two games against uh, Philly and Utah will be a really good test. Um, I I so I'm in the camp of I don't really ever think that kind of, like I in in an ideal world, yes, he becomes this awesome like superstar off ball guy, but. Until Kevin Durant steps on the court, I don't really see that happening. Like, do I really see him being like, hey, uh, do you want to just, like, have the ball in the half court for a full quarter and I'll just stand, you know, in the wing? Mm. I, I just, I'm a little skeptical of it when it's, it's a lot different when it's Dinwiddie and, and Levert versus Durant if he's taking the ball up, if that makes sense. Um, and Dinwiddie's not good at off ball at all. No. So I'm a little skeptical of it. I actually don't mind it defensively. Um, he... He's he's actually a pretty uh, good defender, I'd say off ball. Um, I'm in the middle of watching this Miami game, so I, it's definitely some recency bias for me, at least. But the way he was sniffing out backdoor cuts, I, I think that he has a pretty keen sense of like when guys are moving and what they're looking to do, especially as it pertains to like catch and shoot guys. But offensively, I think it's a little weird. Um, if Karis LeVert can actually shirt, shoot, uh, which, by the way, I have no idea if that's a real thing because uh, – what, what did he shoot against Miami? Do you have those stats on you? <laughs> I forget what he shot against Miami, but the last few games, catch and shoot from three, he's been absolutely lights out. Like, he's around 40% for the season 
from three. And like, as you said, I don't know if that's sustainable, but like as it stands right now, I'm obviously very welcome to it. I don't, I don't trust his three point shooting yet. <laughs> I weirdly no, I trust uh, Kurux's like wholeheartedly. I, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't think I, it's like the mechanics of his shot. I think, but Levert like goes through stretches like this where he makes shots for six games. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of it right now, but I do want to try to give it a chance because these are two pretty like heady guys. And as you said, Dinwiddie was really moving the ball well. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, and he does have games where he just, the shot isn't falling necessarily. I, I think they can work it out, but I think long term it it will be something to keep an eye on because they will have a guy coming back, you know, potentially, potentially in the not so distant future that will also need touches as well it, it, with Kevin Durant. So, I, yeah, I've, um, I've been this way this whole season. I, I think everybody knows right. that I'm a little skeptical of having four guys. I think I've made that clear since about like week one that I'm just a little skeptical of it. Right. And no, it, it's gone from the problems of we had no primary primary ball handlers to really initiate the offense, and now with everyone coming back, all of a sudden we have too many. So you obviously, when you have Kevin Durant back in the lineup, you want to catch and shoot guys like Joe Harris and Torian Prince um, around him, and not so much a high usage guard like a Spencer Dinwiddie or Caris first. So there right. definitely is like rotation questions that, as of right now, are still unanswered, and we don't know how Sean Marks treats this summer. I mean, if if, if previous, you know, summers are any indication or trade deadlines, that's that he's not afraid to pull the trigger. So if something does happen, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But as it stands right now, I think you can, if you're going to act and work around what you have and make something work. Um, but to touch on, based on what you said against that Miami game, Spencer Dinwiddie's off-ball defense has actually been, you know, moderately impressive as of late. And Kyrie Irving's, like, one-on-one defense is actually really fundamentally sound. And this is something yeah. like I noticed at the beginning of the year in going to that uh, Atlanta game where I think he's 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 holding um, opponents like 45, 46% shooting. Yeah. Um, and then he, I think he's holding them sub 30% from three. So that combination defensively is actually right now kind of nice. But obviously, as you said, on the offensive end, there's a lot of kinks. You got to work things out. I don't necessarily know if it works, but I think the experiment is worth it as the time being. Which leads me to another quick question. We'll kind of segue into it, I guess. Is Karis Avert how how comfortable do you feel with Karis Avert as a six man or the primary ball handler on the second unit? Um, well, I think that's his long term role. Personally, mm. um, I his he I don't know what I think of him defensively because he was such a touted prospect. I just. Some guys are like that. They they get brought in and they're described as this all-world defender and it just doesn't pan out for whatever reason. It's either they they stagnate in a way and they start focusing all their energy on offense or they just don't develop at all on that side of the ball. Um, and I think we're a lot more willing to like give guys leeway if they're really young and they're losing guys off ball. Like if they're, you know, if they have possessions where they look really strong on defense we think about those more than the times where oh he let that you know guy go back door on him because he'll figure that out eventually I think that's kind of the census you even see that with like when they played against Philadelphia um Matisse Seibel got backdoored a couple of times and it's like no one's gonna bring that up but like yeah he had a couple of bad possessions and he's probably gonna be a really really good defender long term but I think it's very easy I love that guy I do too and I think he's gonna be one of the better defenders in the league I'm 
completely on that bandwagon um, as well because he does have moments where he's outright incredible and does things that people, you know, that, that the average player just can't do. Um, mm-hmm. I like the role for him. I, I, you know, I've I've been impressed with how he's come back into the lineup and just scored pretty much at will. Um, a lot of it's been through his jump shooting, which I think is, at least for the longevity of his career, is probably a little bit better in a sense, mm-hmm. just so he isn't flying into 20 guys. Um, I think he's a little, It's again, it, I think it'll benefit his health a little bit more if he does that. Um, I don't know if it's sustainable, but, you know, I, I like the way he's scoring. I do like his mindset in a lot of ways of like, I'm going to score from the mid-range and then work outward and get my confidence going that way. I think that's a really smart right. way for a okay at best jump shooter re- to really get going because, I mean, it's a real thing. I, I, I like that he's almost treating some of these games like how you'd warm up for a game. I, 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 I right. dig that. Uh, and I think he's self-aware of, of who he is as a player. But no, I, I've described him as like a rich man's Will Barton um, and gotten a lot of shit for that okay. in other situations. Okay. But, you know, it's, I kind of think that's probably what his role is. I, I you know, I've, I've mm. been on the train of, okay, let's, he's probably going to make an all-star team next year. And he's missed so much time now, he can absolutely score the ball. But until he develops that other skill, I think that this is probably the best way to use him as this guy that his flaws, whether it be turnovers and defense... They're not as pronounced if he's going against bench guys. And his scoring is almost, you know, you almost see it even louder against, you know, guys that are less good, essentially. You know what's one thing I've really, really liked about his offensive game since he's come back? What? And you kind of just briefly touched base on it. It's his mid-range shooting. Because Kenny Atkinson, obviously we know that analytically inclined offense is basically get to the rim or shoot threes. And there's really nothing in between. So having a guy like Harris Avert on his second unit who can basically score from anywhere he wants to especially from like 14 17 feet out really opens up that much more for him and if he's consistently making those middies which by the way have looked really good like i feel more confident with him taking a 14 footer than you know 28 from the corner (laughs) yeah like i i trust him way more like he's one of the more trustworthy guys on the roster i trust him more than chandler temple like it's weird because i never thought he was a good shooter i'm sorry i'm cutting you off but i I really like the shot for it no worries uh, yeah, and I do too. And speaking of Chandler, have you absolutely lost all faith in him, or is it just? I mean, I obviously I I shouldn't say I've lost all faith in him because I do um, value him a bit as a stretch forward, even with the inconsistencies. But like right now, I'm looking at his catch and shoot stats on 2.7 three point attempts per game. He's shooting 25, percent and that's I get that you have to get your sea uh, legs from with under you. You got to get back in um, to game form and reacclimate it. But this has been what. 12, 13, 14 games since he's come back for the PED suspension now. Yep. And he's still just insanely inconsistent. Yep. Are you at all getting concerned or is that kind of just like on my end? No, I, well, I never liked the, the signing from the, from the get go. I, I thought mm. he was visibly cooked in a lot of ways um, that made him special. Uh, well, not special, but a, a, a very good player in previous destinations. Um, even in Philly, he was like, it was mostly because he was making threes, but, um, he's never been like an outstanding jump shooter. So I think that as his game has grown older and he's lost a step, uh, especially, especially on defense, um, you know, he, it's important that his three point shot is there. And I just, you know, he's a, he's an okay at best shooter. I actually, I, this is going to sound like a, this is probably, I don't know if it's my hottest take, but. 
I don't think that the outside of obviously they got these two main guys, but I, I think for the most part, their signings have been pretty inconsequential on what they've done. And I'm going to include Torian Prince as a signing because I don't really know what to call him. He was an acquisition this summer. I, yeah. I think that for the most part, outside of those two guys, <clears throat> I would not bring really anybody back. I know they're they're kind of tied to Prince long-term, but like mm-hmm. him, Temple, I mean, Temple's had a stretch where he was really good. Um, maybe he's better as a ninth man, but I, I hope that they kind of reshuffle the decks quite a bit um, this, this summer, personally. I, I know that's a different tangent, but... I can see them doing that too. Again, this isn't exactly like the best free agent core of all time entering uh, summer of 2020, but I definitely would see some like under the radar signings and some different personnel going into next season when it's really time to boogie. Yeah. Like I, this obviously I wouldn't call it. I've never called it a full experimental season. Like I'm still, and I just tweeted this out the other day and I guess we'll talk about it in a bit. I still think this team can win 45 games. Like I'm still on that wave. I, I, I don't know how rational that is, but I still think that's on the table. So I've never looked at this as experimental. I've always looked at this as, okay, let's, you know, make a playoff push, maybe even get into the second round of the playoffs and really see what we have um, alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant when it's really go time come fall of 2020. Right. Yeah, and I I, no, I agree with you on that. We'll get into the the actual the forty five win thing because I think that is a pretty good uh, sticking point. I did a little research on that. Uh, I you know I I, I think that was the biggest talking point that I did research on for this podcast. But um, yeah, I and look, I I expressed some like concern with their core of Dinwiddie, Levert, uh, or just basically all the guys that need the ball. I wouldn't, to be clear, I wouldn't move anybody. Definitely at the trade deadline, I would possibly not even think about doing it this summer. That would be more something like that they could think about as the next year's trade deadline rolls around. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just think like you need time for all these guys to see who gels well. And, um, you know, it, it would be prudent to move one of those, like one of Levert and, and Dinwiddie, uh, without seeing how they fit with hello, the best player on the team who is currently in street clothes. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun to watch too. Like, in a way, like no matter what, if it works well and if or if it doesn't, it will be fun. It'll be like a beautiful disaster or just like a most beautiful uh, basketball conception ever. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think it'll be fun. Um, I want to give two minutes to Kurooks because he's the one guy that I hey. I, I did want to talk a little bit about. I've I've been so I've I've said this. Uh, I don't know if I, I I'm sure it's in an ESNY column. Uh, but I've been pretty uh, optimistic about the the Kuruk's trajectory. He was probably my favorite prospect they had outside of D'Angelo Russell um, on the team last year, and that includes Allen, Joe Harris, Dinwiddie, even Lavert. Like I just have loved Kuruk's forever. So uh, the way he has been playing has made me so unbelievably happy. And I didn't think it was going to be from his three point shooting, but that's kind of what's opening it up for him. Um, and it's it he's kind of displayed a little bit of passing. I, th- I think of anybody, it's weird because he was so out of the rotation at the beginning of the year, but he's developed far more than any young guy on this team. I have a quick question for you. I don't know if the, the degree of this take, but it's something I've noticed, and I think it's something that people briefly talked about. But when I look at Rody, I'm not actually talking about defensive end, talk about the other end. I think he can guard one through four. I agree. He guarded Jimmy Butler credibly, like really well. Yeah. I, I pulled a couple 
uh, clips from that game of him just handling the guy. He's long and he's quick. He's got a weird, like he's got a strange style of running that sort of looks like it looks like he's speed walking almost. Like he doesn't really pick up his feet, but he's just long and he's uh, nimble. So he covers mm-hmm. a lot of ground, which really, really gives him a lot of leeway. Because he, he like many other guys um, that were getting minutes early in the year, tends to blow rotations and will, you know, double on somebody unnecessarily. But he can kind of, you know, jut out to the three-point line if he does uh, make a mistake with doubling or, or, you know, not really understand if he's in man-to-man or zone. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that about him. I, I just like guys that can make up for their mistakes. Because that's a lot of what defense is. Right, no, and on the offensive end, what we saw like at the beginning of the year, it was the uh, almost like a signature Karouk's move. Once he, he uh, caught the ball beyond the perimeter, he'd do that little up fake and then immediately travel. Now you yep. see him, as soon as he catches that ball, he's almost immediately looking to fire, and the results have been in favor. So it's just like, man, keep going. Yeah. This is great. Like Last year, we showed, we obviously saw the uh, worth of Karouk's once he uh, was implemented into the starting five, and he was kind of that spark plug. And if that's going to happen again this year, like man, I'm all for it. Yep. Yeah. Like last year, his impact was a lot of it was just like getting like he would like he had this uh, uncanny ability. He hasn't done it as much this year, but um, he would have this ability to like pick off passes like perimeter passes, mm-hmm. um, you know, that like just like your lackadaisical like, oh, we're about to get into our set or we're about to initiate a pick and roll. So they like when other teams would be like passing on the perimeter, he's just so quick and guys weren't really, I'm sure it's like been schemed out now because he's been in there for a year, but he would just be able to like run in and just grab passes like a, like a, a European Kawhi Leonard <laughs> catch by his by surprise. Like it was, so it's, it's funny. I don't even feel like we've seen the full um, roadie package yet. He also was a great rebounder last year, at least early on. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I've, I had to bring him up because that's probably my favorite guy on the roster right now. Uh, though Ky- Kyrie Irving is very fun to watch. I f- kind of forgot. <laughs> I gotta say, probably my favorite guy right now has got to be Justin Anderson. Like the few minutes I've seen him, fucking phenomenal all over the, all over the court, both ends, Matt. I'm telling you, uh, has has he hit rim on a three point shot? We'll get into the Justin Anderson, <laughs> the, the, the Justin Anderson chatter now. Uh, I I have only watched three quarters of the Miami game. Did he did he make a three in the in the fourth quarter? I don't believe he has. I don't think he's made a three yet, but, like, keep firing them. You know what I mean? Um, he looks confident doing it. I, I want to say he took one off the dribble, which was, like, really, really bold. Let's let's look. He's shooting 0% from three this year. Yay. Uh, but I, I have high hopes. You're, you're tied to the Justin Anderson future no matter where he goes. I hope you're ready for that. Well, yeah, I kind of, I've kind of married to that take now. Uh, I think his ten day contract is about to expire, so we're going to see if he gets that second ten day or what comes about it. As it stands right now, bias aside, I don't think he's going to be a Brooklyn Net too much longer, which is a shame. I had really high hopes for him because, like, at the beginning of the well, not at the beginning of the year, I'd say during that stretch in which we didn't have Irving and uh, Levert, but we were twelve and six and staying face. My favorite net was David Nwaba, like. By far, hands down, even over Joe Harris. Uh, just an absolute beast out in transition. All the analytics say that the Nets were actually significantly better with him on the court. And I don't think that's something anything anyone expected to say come June is that we're significantly missing the impact of David Nwaba. But his effort on both ends was infectious. And like I really miss having that presence. And I thought 
maybe not synonymous with the Wabas um, impact, but I thought Justin Anderson could kind of come in and be that type of player. And so far, it just hasn't worked at all, Matt, and I'm kind of sad about it. Well, there's still time. Maybe maybe against the Jazz, we get the Justin Anderson performance of, of a lifetime. Oh, the, the signature Justin Anderson game? Yeah, the, the signature Justin Anderson <laughs> game against the Jazz that have won like 14 like, out of their last 15 games. <laughs> five points, three rebounds, and like yeah. one block, and I'm Sick. ready for it. Sick. Um, all right, let's do... Let's get into your 45 wins talking piece. That's one of our two main topics, and I think we'll we'll have just about enough with that. And then you also came up with another good one that we'll get into in a second. 45 wins. Mm-hmm. Explain how that would happen exactly, because I have right. I I'll give you the the annoying analytical mathy asshole version <laughs> of that and you can give your you give the one that's probably more appealing to listen to because mine's gonna just come off douchey all right all right so i tweeted out just about a few days ago that i still believe that 45 wins is on the table and i'll be honest with you i do because i still hold this team to a high standard for that to happen they're going to have to be 29 and 24 at all-star break meaning they're going to have to win let me do some quick math 11 of their next 14 games. And yeah, the schedule right now is hellacious with the Jazz, the Sixers twice, the Bucks and Lakers. But if they can go, let's say, 3-2 and two during that stretch, the next seven games are all against sub-500 rosters. Yep. And if you're fully healthy, no excuses. Take care of business. You have to turn this thing around and start fighting for... I mean, you got the seventh seed now, but let's be honest, sixth, fifth, you know, if you really want to be in contention to get out of the first round, I think they can turn this thing around. And then from there on out, they would have to go 16 and 13 post all-star break, giving them 45 wins. What does 45 wins in the East get you? I don't know. Probably the sixth or fifth seed, depending on how like the Pacers and I don't know the Raptors conclude their seasons, but I think it's still in play. Of course, this is bar. Uh, yeah. Barring major injuries, which this team has obviously struggled with tremendously this season, but if they're fully healthy, four to five wins, there's a sleeping giant on the roster. Will we see him in the spring? I don't know, but I'm optimistic. Now uh, I'm sure that you're about to get heavily opposed out of your analytical stats, Matt. No, the analytical stats, they, if, okay, so if they got to, they have 44 games remaining, right? I right. think I'm doing this right. Um, what are they, what's no, the record? Right. 18 and 22, right? 18 and 20. No, you're right. 44 games left. So if I was to hit the slight under for them to win 44 games, uh, which would be a very slight under, they would have to go 26 and 18. I looked at the mm-hmm. schedule. 18 of their opponents are above 500. Now there's the wild oh. card. Uh, they're playing Toronto February 8th and February 12th. Right. I don't know if right. they're going to have a fully healthy roster. That might be a win. Um, Indiana, well, they don't play Indiana well, so I won't even include that one. Philly, <laughs> no, you they never don't. know. Uh, there's that weird 3 p.m. game coming up. But they have Golden State on, the, on their uh, schedule twice, who might get Steph Curry back. I don't know what that does. Basically, what I'm saying is for them to go strictly 26 and 18 and lose yeah. to every single above 500 team is unrealistic. But for them to beat 
uh, every below 500 team is also equally unrealistic. I mean, if we, I remember, uh, who was doing this at the beginning of the year? Who's notorious for this on Nets Twitter? Uh, Brooklyn's beat. No, Brooklyn guy. Nets. You know, Seven Eleven. Oh yeah, you yeah, I like that guy. He's yeah, notorious. He's, I, uh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. my guy. Tyler's my guy, but. Tyler is notorious for giving uh, the schedule run through and saying yeah. the Nets are going to beat every above 500 team. I remember at the beginning there, even I was guilty of this. Uh, I think I even did was I think my last call at SNY uh, or my most recent one was uh, that it was like going through their schedule and like predicting who they would beat, and I just kind of was like, okay, yeah, they're going to beat all these below 500 teams, and that just doesn't <laughs> happen in real life. Like it just, no, it doesn't, and especially with back to back thrown in there, it just it's kind of unrealistic to do that. So. They, yeah, I, I just think it's unlikely. I, that's all. And I and to play, and it's they're above eight, uh, the above five hundred teams that they're playing. It's Milwaukee three times, I believe, is on there. Right. Milwaukee three times. The Lakers twice. twice. Um, yeah. it's a real gauntlet of teams. The Clippers twice. Like it's not exactly like, you know, the soft. Uh, even I don't want to call Dallas soft, but like you know, like a Dallas or a an OKC like it's like the real mm-hmm. deal tough team so in short uh this wasn't actually as analytical as I thought it would be it this is like it's like Bill Simmons analytics uh where it's like <laughs> no, <soft basically>. analytics. <laughs> but yeah it, it, you know in short I don't think it's gonna happen it's it's highly unlikely uh what they would probably have to do is they would have to have a win streak kind of synonymous with last season where they win like 10 or 11 in a row will that happen probably not yeah but that kind of makes that 45 win total look a little more realistic uh yeah i think according to tankathon and i was checking this at the, the beginning of the calendar year they had the seventh hardest schedule when for the remainder of the season whereas before that they had the second right easiest so they're the fourth they're their 14th toughest schedule right now 14th now okay well that obviously changes things up quite a bit yeah but yeah at the beginning of the calendar year it was seventh and then the first, like, at the time, like, 30, 33 games, they had the second easiest one. And obviously, yep. they were injured, and there was a lot of, you know, intangibles and factors in that. But they didn't really take full advantage of that. So saying they're going to beat all these sub-500 teams really is kind of foolish to say based off of what we have so far. But then at the same time, like, they've only played, really, if you can even count it, 12 healthy healthy games this season now where they had uh, Kyrie, Karras, and Spencer mixed in with the other um, rotational players, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's been really hard to gauge this season. Like this has been such a strange season to me, man. It's been not fun to cover. <laughs> if we're no. Honest. No, it hasn't. It's been a lot. It's It's been covering a lottery team with expectations. So it's like, I mean, now that Kyrie's back, obviously that's changed a little bit. But, mm-hmm. man, uh, it's like a, the problem is, is that everybody expects them to win because they have these two guys that, by the way, really haven't played. But they still kind of carry yeah. those expectations of like, oh, this is a playoff team. So it like feels – the losses feel a little bit heavier. No, I would say okay, they played 38 games. I'd say 26 of those games played. They have a, ro- a roster worse than what we had – last year oh 100 so the expectations were to stay afloat and to m- make that next step from last season but like it's it was kind of it's kind of unfair to have expected 
you know, Spencer Dinwiddie post up all star caliber numbers for like an 82 game season, basically, and tell those guys that, you know, like Garrett Temple is a, what is he, a, a nine year NBA journeyman undrafted in 2009. All of a sudden, he was like the second option for like weeks on end. So it was kind of difficult, and then, like it was kind of hard to, to have expected the world. But like all in all, they went thirteen and thirteen down that stretch. So I guess you do have to give them credit. I think the Nets ruined poor Garrett Temple. Like I wouldn't be surprised oh, no. if he's just like, yeah, that that two months really just exhausted me. <laughs> like, like all running. of a sudden he had a green light, and he was like, yeah, we want you to start games, and then you're going to be the initiator for the second unit. It's just yeah, like. like He's never done this. This is too much to ask of him. Very weird. Yeah, he had like one, I think he had one pick and roll possession in preseason. And uh, it, it went pretty well. And like, I, I even remember writing or at least grabbing the clip. I don't know if I wrote about it. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting that he can run pick and roll. And then it was like, oh, I actually don't want to see this 20 times mm-hmm. a game. Like, this is actually pretty bad. Because <laughs> like, he's not going to take anybody off the dribble. So it's usually just a no. pull up. Like his little sidestep three, or or uh, or it, like he's a good passer. I don't think he's great, but yeah, no. I mean, enough on Garrett Temple. Um, I I think that I think well the team will sniff around like that like forty two forty three mark. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Which I'm is sticking with forty five. All right, I'm sticking with it. So I'm you bold. You are you came up with this the inebriation slash the optimism scale. Uh, yes. Inebriation is. I'm assuming like how how many beers deep you have to be to enjoy the Nets, which right. was a whole goddamn thirty pack about a month ago, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and the optimism scale is I, I'm assuming you're going to be way higher on this because uh, the Canadian in you will just make you right. more happy about things in general than me, the like downtrodden New Yorker that I, sure, I sort sure. of am now. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> let's do, let's do the optimism scale first to keep it positive or maybe positive. We'll see where we end up on. What do, what do you got right now? Optimistically speaking, what All would right. you say for the Nets? What's your optimistic outlook? scale out of a possible, you know, 10 being the highest. I'm going to say right now we're at a six and a half given the schedule, given that we have to get everyone reacclimated, but it's definitely better than, what I was at the beginning of the year, which was like a seven on the inebriation scale. Okay. Oh, so you just, you took them both right there. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, okay. I got, I, I, now I have to think about what my inebriation, my inebriation, honestly, uh, I think that my like basketball brain has just been damaged, uh, perpetually. Cause like mm-hmm. just seeing, so the nice part about having Kyrie and Karis back is not that they're just, um, good at basketball but that they play very different styles than I think just about anybody in the league like Kyrie nobody can really replicate that which is you know not Mm -hmm. only cool to watch in a sense but it's also really nice to watch with this Nets team that just drives and really only takes catch and shoot threes so that's a kind of refreshing uh aspect in a sense but um Karis is fun too because he's so uh He's just so like it, the herky jerky is obviously a weird thing, but even when he takes threes, it feels herky jerky. Like his elbows are flared out. It's like he's the weirdest player to watch, dimensionally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, inebriation wise, I, I wouldn't get. I would put them pretty low on the inebriation. I would put them at like a, a two out of ten. I mean, I wouldn't want to get too inebriated because you might miss something with with uh, Kyrie Irving's magic. Um, defensively, they're kind of fun now. They have instances like Rodion's Kuroks or whoever you want to put. Um, 
they you know they'll they'll have interesting little defensive possessions. Uh, TLC will have moments too. So yeah, I, I would keep, put them pretty low. Optimism. I'm also going to keep kind of low. Uh, I would put them at a five and a half, mostly because I'm okay. scared of injuries. I just yeah. I don't want to put all my eggs in this basket of like great. Now Kyrie and Karis are back. Katie's going to come back in March. This team's going to roll through one round of the playoffs. Like I'm just I. I don't want to do this thing where I put myself mentally in like, okay, great. Now we're really going to see what this team is like, um, you know, how they fit together. And then I can Mm -hmm. make evaluations from there and I'll have 20 different uh, columns that I can write in summer about who, you know, stupid trade packages that I can put together. (laughs) Like I, I I don't want to get into that mindset yet of, of uh, I guess being just like accepting that this is how their, their fate is going to be. Cause I, okay. Brief little tangent. A little weird how Kyrie was just suddenly back. Like I, I know this is so. This is a stupid take oh. in its essence because that's how Corazon works. Is you just randomly feel good all of a sudden. But yeah. that's why I think that's even why like my optimism scale is a little bit lower. Like it's it's essentially a a band aid. Is um somebody I don't remember who told me that, but it's like a band aid over an injury, <laughs> like a cut. I've I've had one before in my rotator cuff. It's a brief fix. It is. So that's what I, uh, I'm a little worried about. Yeah, yeah. I tore my rotator cuff back in 2015. And Jesus, instead how? of Oh, this is back when I work out. I don't work out no more. But <laughs> <laughs> back when I tore my rotator cuff um, doing shoulder presses, I uh, I got the cortisone shot. And I elected not to get a small surgery. And like I can honestly say like to this day, that shoulder bothers me. Oh, so yeah. I understand why you're a little well i wouldn't say pessimistic but you're definitely looking at Kyrie Irving's shoulder you know kind of intently where it's like i real we obviously want nothing more than to watch him play basketball but yes. his health is obviously it's 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 something to be concerned about and i think like as a team unfortunately we're always going to talk about the nets and in the same sentence we're always going to have to say when healthy yeah I, uh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know, uh, I feel like I, you might be the most, uh, like resourceful or like, uh, I guess the most, um, knowledgeable person on Nets Twitter about cortisone. Yeah, I know. No, definitely. Everybody's yeah, you, you an you expert. take my quotes. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I, there are certain. <laughs> I know it's been, it's been something else the last couple of months. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of people that have a lot of medical information that I just mm-hmm. you know you never would have guessed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's how it all factors into my optimism scale. I'm just like I, I don't know. It seems like it. I I actually have no idea if he's gonna get surgery at this point. I wouldn't know either, and I mean if it's on the table. I like going in that couple again. Like we don't know what's going on with that shoulder. This is all speculation. So. The aggregators don't have to, you know, get at me as a, you know, professional MD or anything. But if it was on the table, I did want him to take it when the Nets were in the middle of that losing streak. Because I'm like, yeah. this season, we don't really. This is this is going south in a in a, in a hurry. Uh, it, it made me think then, and it still makes me think now. Hey, is number seven coming back this spring? Because I would. Ass- like not uh, this is not a sourced whatever i i i know I, I hate that i think i have the ego to be like oh this isn't sourced because i definitely don't have that level of uh 
clout. I don't really know another word for that one. Right. But uh, I would assume he is. I like the the Kyrie continuing to play um, and getting this random cortisone shot and suddenly being out there after being like, oh yeah, I probably won't play for three months. Tells me that he's progressing pretty well. Like, why mm-hmm. else would he not get surgery? That's the only thing I can think of. It just seems like, let's go on a run this year, see how we look, right. um, and then we'll make evaluations from there. And that's I, what I, I was thinking about, too. That's, that, was, that was my mindset, too, was why did you opt for the cortisone shot instead of the uh, surgery? Uh, again, we don't know what's going on with that shoulder, but... In the middle of what was looking like an absolutely lost cause to have him back, and now if they can string together some victories, and again, like I'm fully confident in the Nets medical staff and that they will put Kevin Durant out there before, you know, he's obviously ready to be back. But is it on the table? And like I think potentially, yes. Even though there's obviously been no official timetable and it's been nothing but speculation, but this makes me think that hey. Like it's a probable, or it's probably more possible than it is not. Yeah. So, I think that this this whole event has shown that superstars dictate their recovery times more exactly. than anything. I yeah. like. I, I think I, I'm sure the Nets staff will have some, if not quite a bit of uh, insight or at least uh, advice on when Durant should come back. But I think he ultimately will be the one that kind of like. It's like, hey, I'm going to play. So, <laughs> um, Yeah. So, okay, I, I keep coming up with little tangents. I'm trying to, like, get this closed out, but I keep thinking of things. This is just – this is, like, what I – this is how I am as, like, a writer, too. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to add this in here. I just thought of this. Uh, is even if I, – I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly with him getting surgery in the summer because then that puts Durant – this is me yeah. overthinking this already. But him putting Durant out there as the only guy – uh, and possibly overworking him. Cause I consider an Achilles like a two year injury personally. I mm-hmm. could be overthinking. I it just, what my point of all this is that it sucks that he got injured as well. Um, because you're kind of like hoping and like, obviously he's gone through a lot of minor injuries to major injuries in his career, but you were just mm-hmm. kind of hoping like, man, if he could just be the one to sort of keep the ship afloat as Durant works his way in. And now it seems like, is Durant going to be the one that's actually more healthy long-term? I don't know. I don't, is this going to be a lingering thing? It's really weird to think about now that they have two guys that you're not quite sure. So I no, think this all factors into my optimism sale scale. That's a genuine, that's a genuine point because now we have to look at, Oh, okay. What if that shoulder doesn't get any better? What yeah. if he plays through it? What if he elects for surgery in the summer and misses, you know, X amount of months and all right. of a sudden opening day at Barclays. Now we have to have Kevin Durant, you know, keep the ship afloat until Kyrie right. Irving returns. And also now we're on the polar opposite end of what we have right now. And it's right. like, right. It's, I'm definitely am concerned about Kyrie Irving in that shoulder. And if he's fully healthy yet and him not electing to get surgery, like that's all in my train of thought basically at all times. Yep. Because you're right. Like, again, we don't know. Um, uh, Fuck, I tore my rotator cuff. It still hurts when I put it up over my head, and that's just shooting shoulder. I just hope for the best. I really do. That's all we can really do. Yeah, I I don't know. I uh, Wow, this took a turn. <laughs> so much of the optimism. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I wasn't expecting this. Um, hey man, you started it. I did start it. This is. I mean, I try to think about things like a little bit 
Like, it is so easy to get caught up in the moment that it is, right. like... And this was part of signing these two, is, like... I. It's funny, because I didn't think about it. Like, with Kyrie, I thought more about the personality stuff um, as the biggest downside of him. Would, like, would he derail a franchise with his uh, personality? When, in reality, I really should have been thinking about the health thing. That should have been the thing mm-hmm. that should have been, like, oh, yeah, this guy's been hurt for two of the last four playoffs um, and seems to get hurt at inopportune times. Uh, and I think that that's probably what I should have focused on a little more. And I think it will be the sticking point. I could see that being not so much even what happens with Durant, but his status um, in terms of his health is what kind of dictates their championship run. I'm starting to feel that way a little bit more. So no, I think it'll be yeah. interesting. Um all right, let's do some. We gotta. I feel like this just went flying off the rails because of me. Uh, not in a bad way. It was good discussion, but like, just, it was good conversation. Good, good, it was necessary conversation. <laughs> real dark place. It was necessary. Let's, let's do a fluffy little light topic and then close it out. TLC. Let's let's do hey. some TLC chatter. Seems like he's gonna move to a a. Uh, I think Keith Smith even tweeted this out. Uh, mm-hmm. But it seems like he's getting moved to a fully guaranteed contract. What? Where are we at with TLC? I I am gonna be honest. He could be on the Nets for three years, and I would still have no opinions on him. I just don't know how I feel about him. I don't know if I ever will. He's such a streaky player. I'm not just talking on the offensive end, but like defensively as well too. Where yep. it's like you have these you know sporadic moments of locking down a James Harden or Luka Doncic and then the next quarter he'll get you know 25 dropped on his head because he's overplaying or he's overbiting or he's overzealous and then all of a sudden he becomes unplayable and then on the other end of the basketball court he's not making his shots and then it's like you can't really justify minutes but then he'll have a period of like three games where it's like he's our best catch and shoot perimeter guy and one of our best perimeter defenders so it's like how the hell do you gauge this guy I'm not really sure. It seems like a, a game-to-game basis. And, like, Nets Twitter are really split on TLC. And, like, yep. should Musa get his minutes? as TLC, you know, warranted this playing time? And as it stands right now, I, I've i said this um, when he was first inserted into the lineup. I really like the idea of having a long guy that can defend multiple positions and can get to the rim on the offensive end and shoot, you know, the catch and shoot shots, because I, I feel like that's, you know, Kenny Atkinson's wet dream when it comes to a uh, yep. complimentary <laughs> rotation player. Yep. But he's just so unbelievably inconsistent that I don't even know really where I stand on him anymore. So the biggest thing with him offensively uh, is his, maybe not so much skillfulness, but willingness to drive. Like I was mm-hmm. not expecting that from him. Uh, and I think that, that that might be a little bit why he's stuck more than he has, just because he's like it's whether it's in transition or just even like he'll he's a I, he's a decent cutter, I think, in a lot of ways. I don't know what the numbers are on it. It's probably the complete opposite. But <laughs> eye test tells me he's like I like when he cuts and he bails possessions out. Kinda like your guy Joe Harris, actually. Um he just he yeah, has a timely bit. way of doing that. Defensively, he's weird because yes, he is long. Um, he has been sort of, I, who was he pegged as? I think Cephalosha with his, was his comp coming into the league, which I actually really like. I think that's a pretty good. I really like that. I think they're both French too. That's great. It's great. I I'm all for like, uh, the same, 
like the same nationality <laughs> takes are usually so lazy but like that is actually pretty a pretty goddamn good take no. um sorry sorry Thabos he's, he's from uh, Switzerland but yeah keep going oh he's wow Swiss. so we blew that one all right well uh yeah that was two stupid North Americans trying to <laughs> be be smart about uh drafts so that's how you know that i'm not really a draft guy is that i just had no idea um all right well i sort it's still a good take <laughs> you know same sort of side of the world there uh and i i the weird thing about him on defense is that his footwork is really really slow i surprisingly weirdly really slow and that's when he gets in trouble is that he'll he's a, a full court press guy and then he also likes to come up really, really high, and especially on like high pick and roll, he likes to like try to sort of squeak around screens. Mm-hmm. And um, his recovery time is just terrible, so that's when he's getting burned on defense. But like his fundamentals and his instincts are really good. That's like my my take on TLC. And with all that said, I just still have no idea if I think he's good. Um, really high effort guy, but not yeah. like a high results guy, which is like the trickiest guy to evaluate. Exactly, because you like that, and your your eyes are like, "Oh, this is great!" Like he he really gives a damn, but yeah, it's not always like the prettiest results. And on offense, it's the same way. It's like, wow, look at the way he just went through three defenders, and then he goes like high glass and barely touches the rim, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, well, that looked really good though." <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, I think we covered a lot of ground. Anything else that we should cover? Um. Let's do a prediction in the next. What? What? They have a tough stretch. Let's do a prediction in their next. Let's do their next five. Utah, Ooh. Philadelphia back to back. Saturday against Milwaukee. Monday against. They have a nice little break. Monday versus Philadelphia at home. Thursday mm-hmm. versus Los Angeles, which I'll actually be going to. First time seeing <laughs> LeBron. Wow, those tickets. Oh, that's gonna be a fun one. Uh, that's gonna be a fun. It'll one. be fun. I'm pretty excited. But is Davis playing? Do we know? I have no idea. I, I didn't even care. I, I honestly just, I've wanted to see LeBron. LeBron's probably one of, if not my favorite player of all time, he's up there. I haven't seen a basketball game since the Grizzlies were uh, in Vancouver, which is a wow. sad tale, but go Jeez. ahead. I, I know. You do I hate know. Toronto, so I could see that you'd never want to go no. make your way and over like, there. The closest team I have to me is Portland, and I just have never made the trip down, but yeah. Do you like watching Portland? This is wow. This is a tangent. Do I like watching Portland? Um, whew, you know what? Honestly, like I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming you're uh, talking about their recent years and their yeah. playoff series in like the last five, six years. Honestly, I don't find them the most enjoyable team. They were always a team that I, I knew were not going to get over the hump. Yeah, they're weird, and they like they have a lot of like constancy on their roster, but it's not like a like good constancy where you feel good about it. It's like it's yeah. just so obvious that this has a cap. I also like I don't know why I, I I find their style of play kind of like not always the most interesting in a lot of ways, and I don't know what it, it is. It, it, you you would think it would be having a CJ Damian Lillard backcourt, but to me, it's just like I've never I've never found them like that intriguing or that appealing. I just haven't. Right. And they're like a darling NBA team where like everybody seems to love the Blazers. So like that makes me want yeah. to be like again like the <laughs> the antagonist that I am. <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, you're you're kind of like anti hipstering the hipsters. Yep. I know I yep. feel that way sometimes too. Yeah, I I like it's like Inception, like hip sec hipception. There we go. Uh, yeah. Where I'm going six levels deep of being the annoying NBA hipster. So 
Yeah, well, we're both from the West Coast, so. Yeah, oh yeah, there you go. That That's it. The uh, Well, Pacific, uh, pretty much Pacific Northwest for you. I consider you Pacific Northwest. Yeah, so you're right uh, there. You're in the Northwest. thick of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So let's let's hear it. Let's hear a prediction. Next five games. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm saying that they're going to play spirited basketball now that they're fully healthy. I think this is, looks like a reinvigorated squad. Again, they're playing the Atlanta Hawks, so. You can't. You have to take that with a grain of salt, but I don't care. I'm. I'm honestly. I'm going. They win both games against Philadelphia. Yeah, I said it. And they beat the Jazz. They go three and two. Um. Hmm. Wow. I actually. I love that. I asked that. I had no idea. They've never played Milwaukee well. Um. So that's just oh, a, God, a just complete a loss. They got blown <laughs> the hell out last year. Oh my God. They got killed. And they actually, like, I think their team is somehow they've, like, it's weird that they've built, I mean, I guess Durant would be the defender for it, but they've somehow uh, retooled in a way that they're even worse suited for Giannis and the Bucks, um, which is funny because, like, it's very obvious that the East is going to go through Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah. Um, until he, if he does, leave. So I would say I kind of like them against Utah. And I don't know why, I do too. but I, I thought it was a spirited game the first time around. I know Utah's playing really well. Utah, yeah. like, they do this every year, every goddamn year. They start slow, and everybody's yeah. like, oh, what's wrong with Utah? This, things look bad in Utah. And then they go and on this huge goddamn run every time, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't understand how. Um, I don't know if it's something seasonal over there, if it's like a Mormon thing. I don't know. I don't understand what it is. But whatever it's going on, is it's happening again, so... I'm going to say just because of how hot the the, uh, the, uh, the the Jazz are, I'm going to give them a dub there. I think they're going to win that 3 p.m. game against Philadelphia. I like that it's at home. I like that they have a break. Um, I will Actually, I should have checked schedules. Um, Philadelphia, let's see when their, next, their game is before that. Because um, if they have even a one-day break between um, – like if they play on Saturday – let's see who they play. They play – they play the Knicks. Okay, so they have a nice little easy weekend, too. I still think they're going to nice. win the 3 p.m. game. Those games are always weird. They're always weird, those matinee games. They're always bizarre. And the Sixers are just so weird. It's just a weirdly constructed roster, and they've had their fair share of problems. Like they're To me, of the teams that I perceive as elite, they're beatable. Like they're, yes. They are a team that like if we get the 2-7 matchup, I'm not opposed to the Sixers. No. No, they've always and the Nets have always played them well. They've always, always played them well. Um, that mm-hmm. series last year, I know, it was a five game series. It was closer than a lot of people will remember. Um, it's about as close as a five game series can be. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they'll. I think I'm going to give them the 3 p.m. game. I obviously, you know, you never know if if they're really playing resilient. Maybe they win the the back to back game, but um, it's a national TV game. I just feel like Philadelphia will show up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I, I I'm interested to actually see what Philadelphia looks like without Embiid. I got oh yeah, that was gonna be my quick question for you. Does DeAndre Jordan start against Philadelphia in their physicality, or do we go Jared Allen? I'll go Jared Allen. Like, what are they? Who's I guess Philly will be starting uh, Horford. Must be Horford. Yeah, yeah. So I would and Mike Scott at the four. I'm assuming. Yeah, I would. I why why not start? Uh, Jared Allen. I feel like the the DeAndre Jordan would be the starter if um, if if uh, if if Embiid was playing. 
NBA was like, I was going to. I just mentioned that because Jordan had like a hell of a game last time they played the Sixers in Barclays. Hmm. Yeah, that happens every five games. He's weird. <laughs> I I I just have learned to not expect anything out of DeAndre Jordan. If he plays well, great. Um, that'll probably make a column. I feel like it's funny. Like if you read me this year and you like didn't read, like if I don't know if you just were only saw me on uh, Nets Daily. It would be like, wow, this guy's a huge DeAndre Jordan fan. Because <laughs> I'm only, it's like whenever he plays well, I'm like, oh, this is great. I need to write about this right now. <laughs> but like, I don't know. No, he's one of those players. He, he's a guy you just root for because he's such a he's such a joyful soul. Yeah, he is, and nobody expects anything. Like when he, when yeah. he signed that contract, even like the most optimistic Nets people were like, well, uh, don't think I would have paid him ten million a year, and I definitely wouldn't have made yeah, it a four year contract. So whenever mm-hmm. he plays well, it's like a nice little consolation for just about everybody involved. Really, really quick tangent. Did you read uh, Malika Andrews' ESPN piece about DeAndre Jordan today? I haven't. It's really good. I haven't. It was I'm, really good. I'm gonna do that. I I kind of read right before uh, before going to bed, so I have that amongst a couple other Ringer articles that I'm gonna read. Mm. So I uh, don't spoil it for me. I'm sh- I I've heard it's really good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah. All right. Let's do random shoutouts real quick. Oh, this is where we shout out nobody on um, that's Twitter or anything. It's just like a uh, random occurrence that you had in your actual day-to-day life, right? Yes, sir. Oh, man. God damn it, Matt. You put me completely on the spot. Okay. I'd like to shout out my um, my uh, indigenous studies prof for counseling class today. Like, thank you. You didn't really need to. It didn't snow at all. She's just like, you know what? It's icy out there. Let's not do this. Nobody wants to show up first thing in the morning for a three-hour class. Let's just pick this right where we left off next Tuesday. And for that, like, I appreciate you. You're reaching your quota on, on shouting out professors. This is your I'm two for two. <laughs> you're two, two for two. two right now. Yeah. No, you're two for two on this. This is like when I can't think of anything, I'll just shout out music. This is yours. Your, your, oh. your go-to is going to be shouting out a professor. Yeah. But well, the, honestly, see that, I don't count that as shouting out a professor because that's you not going to class. So oh, yeah, I know. it's like, it's kind of like a, it's like a mix up right there. I wasn't really expecting that one. <laughs> I really know. Who me else to shout, out. <laughs> I shout out to the, uh, that new Morbius trailer. I don't know if you checked it out. It looks pretty good. No, I have not All right. I'm pulling that up right when we get off. We have about 10 minutes and well, really probably closer to 30 because games don't really start till like 15 minutes in. So I'll check that out. Um, uh-huh. all right. My shout out, I have two shout outs. Okay, one, I know we see you, it's hilarious that you uh, introed that with don't shout out anything on Nets Twitter. Because I have to shout out, uh, I don't know if you saw this thread, but everybody that was doing the like, you just lost two memes on the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I just came across that, I think today, because I, I went to the game and uh, then I like had people over after. So I really didn't uh, like get a sense of really anything Twitter wise. Um right. So I, I came across that today, and I, that is my favorite thing ever. I've never been a bigger Nets, twi- uh, Nets Twitter stand. Like, it's <laughs> – it was hilarious. I was dying. I was like, what other fan base terrorizes um, a team account like this? Like, I just don't know. Oh, it's like – it's the you just lost to uh, Jean and Musa one, right? Yeah, but, like, people oh, are coming great. up with, like uh, – you know those, like – I don't know what those are called. I don't know. Like, I'm not, like, a big meme guy, like, knowing the categorizations – but it's where people like put together videos and they turn the music to like bass boost, not even bass boost. What is it like? Uh, ear? Oh, they call it ear rape, which is really 
probably shouldn't be saying oh, that on like, the podcast. Uh, but they turn up the music <laughs> so that it's like uh like it, it like basically sounds like it's like distorted because of how loud it's supposed to be. That's right. what people were putting together, like these little videos of like it's. Uh, they're pretty funny. I, I would if you haven't seen it, I would check it out. They're. I, I hate I'm that I'm to. shouting out Twitter, but I, it was funny. Yeah, good for them. Keep keep doing your thing, there, Twitter. My other one is for me. Uh, I'm pretty pretty badly in credit card debt right now, and uh, I'm getting awesome. my deposit check back from my last apartment finally. So. Thank God for that, because I don't know what I'd be doing right now. Uh, I feel I feel you on the dead end. Dad's twenty four year old. I'm it's bad. Right in that same boat, man. It's self inflicted though. It's from me ha- taking a vacation and uh, and and not paying attention to money. It's not like I've been like really well, responsible, like you know, just happened to fall behind. Like this is completely self inflicted, and I probably deserve um, to not get this deposit back. But uh, alas, I'll there take was it. a. Uh, there was an article, and this uh, I, I'll, I'll be really brief because we're wrapping it up. There was this article about uh, millennials and their spending habits. It's basically saying millennials are damn near bankruptcy, but they're going on <laughs> vacations. Uh, yeah, you know, like here, take like my $60 minimum payment. I'm going to San Diego for the weekend. <laughs> are you going to San Diego? No, I'm not. I don't um, know why. San Diego is the first thing that came to mind. As of Vancouver, right? That's like tropical to me. Yeah. No, it's that's the best city in the United States. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell yeah, you right now. World. I'm the only person that wants the Nets to move to San Diego. Whoa! <laughs> I'm like, do it, please. I'd love to go back. It's such a great city. Whoa! Yeah. Hopefully, no one tunes in this far and they don't have to hear that. And then all of a sudden, Matt Brooks getting absolutely torched on Twitter. I it, it's been a lot of that. I've I've put myself in some trouble this week. My my global warming <laughs> tweet highly highly offensive. <laughs> I had a fucking ripper of a weekend on Twitter. That was that was so out of the blue too. All of a sudden, I saw it pop up, and then I forget what you said. Like global warming, are we sure it's a thing? And like, so... <laughs> no, I said, are we sure global warming's bad? <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I saw that, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Just leave that. Keep one alone. doing your thing, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep scrolling. Yeah. It- yeah, <laughs> I had that, and anyone who picked the Hawks to make the playoffs ought to be ashamed of themselves. I know, and I kind of felt that one personally. Well, I didn't have it playoffs, was really, but I liked it. It was, uh, it was real insulting. <laughs> I had 10th seed, so I kind of felt that on a personal level, Matt. Yeah, no, that was it was rude of me to do. I Yeah, uh, hot weather Matt Brooks is not, not a good person. That's why it's really <laughs> good that the NBA season is during, like, the tundra of the year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all weather comes out and I just be, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde type of thing. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. I appreciate you coming on. This was fun. Um, we, yes, sir. this was a good app. I thought we got through a lot of, a lot of topics. I no, we did. I, I, I can't believe we took five minutes to talk about Wilson Chandler. I was, I almost had that in my notes. I was like, should we, should we talk about Wilson Chandler? And I was like, geez, if I, if this is where this podcast goes, uh, not on natural terms, then I'm doing a terrible job. <laughs> <laughs> of hosting this <laughs> but yeah. yeah man sometimes you gotta talk about wilson chandler yeah oh, yeah the riveting stuff all right appreciate you coming on i'll talk to you next time all right yes sir goodbye peace mm-hmm.